This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you by BetRivers.com. You can get it at all your favorite podcast locations, whether it's on YouTube or Apple or Spotify. So wherever you find your podcast, we will be there. Um, off a very, very busy sports weekend. And, of course, everybody buzzing about the uh, enormous upset in the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike coming from completely out of nowhere, not even in the race as of Friday, scratching into the race. The horse had only won one race, a maiden 30 claimer, where it was put in the race by Calumet, claimed out of the race by various astute horsemen who didn't let, let the horse get past. They claimed the derby winner for 30000 which, my God, tip of the cap from any owner is going to say bravo to claim a derby winner out of a race. I mean, if you claimed a derby winner for 250000 you'd be ecstatic. They claimed this horse for $30,000, and he did not win any of the races they entered him in. They entered him in an optional claimer. He didn't win it. He got beat by stolen base, and stolen base came back and won a turf race on the undercard for Maker on Saturday. Stolen base beat him by four lengths. This horse had one closing third, which got him into the derby. They, if you look, he had a nice derby work in 59. But let's be honest, the horse was going to be a million miles out of it and had not shown any an inkling that it could compete on this level. But the horse had energy. The horse was the one horse going forward at the finish of the race. The horse made up an incredible amount of ground through traffic between the six furlong mark and the mile mark made up an incredible incredible 11 spots during that time got inside then had to go around the tiring messier got back inside and then charged up and beat tiring front runners who looked like they were gone in epicenter and zandon who looked like they were going to be one two in one order neither one had enough energy to go forward they both hung in racing parlance and rich strike with energy to spare, came up the rail and won at 80 to 1, just stunning the racing world. Congratulations uh, to their connections. Congratulations to Sonny Leon on what we said was a brilliant, nothing short of a brilliant uh, draw, uh, ride by the jockey. Really incredible. If you watch it, if you watch the overhead, what he did in the race was remarkable. I mean, there's no other word for it. And he was the only horse going forward. There weren't a lot of horses that had big excuses. 
Yes, the pace was outrageous. Yes, anybody close to it was burned like you were getting too close to the sun. So anybody who was anywhere near the early factions was toast. But even the horses that sat the trip were not coming with a lot of energy. You had a lot of disappointed owners and trainers after this race who were not impressed by their horses. The one horse, when I went back and looked at the race and looked at the chart, the only horse that I can really do a complete throwout for is Charge It. He got the worst of it on every turn. He got wiped out on the first turn. He got wiped out on the second turn. He got wiped out in the stretch. Uh, Every time he went to move, something bad happened to him. Uh, It was uh, not the best of rides, but again, great, great jock, but not the best of rides. But more than anything else, it was just the traffic that you can get into when you have 20 horses, listen, there shouldn't be 20 horses. We all know that. But as an owner, you want to get in the Derby. Uh, and that's why you want to get in the Derby. You live to get in the Derby, and that's why they have 20 horses, because everybody, you know how hard it is to get in. You know how much every owner, including yours, truly wants to get in. No one knows more than I do how hard it is to get a horse there sound and ready to win at this day. Give them credit for doing that. They did it, and then they upset the world with an incredible ride by Sonny Leone. Um, Not a lot of the horses looking to go forward to the Preakness. Simplification is going. Obviously, the winner will go. Epicenter sounds like he'll go. Sounds like Smile Happy will go. Tabe is thinking about going. That's it. You'll have some newcomers early voting. who finish second in the Wood Memorial is committed. Unoho, as the one-eye horse, will go. Black Adder is going. Maybe you get a couple of horses that show up after running well at Pimlico recently. That usually happens, and that will be your Preakness field. Uh, most horses uh, a lot of the horses, like the Pletcher horses, will sit and wait at, at the Belmont for round three. Others will decide what they're going to do. Jack Christopher, who was impressive going the Pat Day mile and winning uh, off a perfect trip in the Pat Day mile, but impressive in his victory and his comeback. And I thought Jack Christopher was going to be a major factor this year. I thought both my high oak and... Uh, and Jack Christopher would be major factors in the three-year-old campaign. I think they both still might be. We'll see what happens down the road. Uh, but this left the three-year-old picture in chaos, nothing short of it, and just wide open as we head to Pimlico. And again, you would expect uh, Mo Donegal, you would expect Charge It, you would expect the Pletcher horses to be ready for the uh, Belmont. He, he very rarely, if ever, goes to the Preakness with anything but a Derby winner. Um, I don't know that Chad Brown wants to run Jack Christopher back at the classic distance two weeks after he's been Winning, He wins off a layoff. I'm sure the connections are hungry, but I don't know that they'll do that. I would be surprised if he does. So I think it's going to be an ordinary field that uh, Rich Strike faces in the Preakness, and we'll see what happens in round number two after the stunning. And I hope if anyone out there picked numbers, names, drew them out of a hat, or somehow was smart enough to wheel – Epicenter, 
I wasn't. I didn't like Epicenter very much. I like Zandon. I use Zandon. As a matter of fact, I had Zandon front and back in the exactives. If he had finished first or finished second and even finished behind Rich Strike, I would have had it because I did wheel and back wheel Zandon. But I did not use Epicenter that much, uh, very little. I didn't think it was set up for him, but he uh, outfinished Zandon, although in the stretch I thought Zandon would be the winner. He didn't fire uh, when he had to, he hung a little bit on the money. It happens. Uh, and the horse going forward without any question was the 80 to one stunning rich strike. Who's who got into the race by good fortune and then took that good fortune and turned it into a whole bunch of money and a whole a lot of happiness, and that's what racing is all about. That's what sports is all about. You go, you get in, and you got a shot. And there you know, well, every once in a while we get the crazy derby, the wild race. That horse that profiles like Rich Strike usually finishes second to the favorite or to the big horse. That happens a lot of times at the derby. Woodchopper finishing second. Or, you know, Dallas Stewart coming up with one of his long shots behind like an orb, which we've had before, that sets up a big exacta. But that horse doesn't usually win the race. This time it did at 80 to 1 and stunned the racing world. All right, let's get to some other things, including uh, baseball, the NBA playoffs. Uh, Yanks and Mets just rolling along. The Mets continue to win series. Uh, Split a doubleheader yesterday. First time Scherzer faced defeat in a very long time. So his streak goes by the board, pitched well. Uh, Harper took them deep. They lose that game. They come back with uh, a big performance by their first baseman slash DH in the second game. Uh, Alonzo's had a big RBI start. Uh, he's hitting well. He's hitting the ball where it's pitched. He's doing everything right, and his RBI total is very, very uh, strong with the two-home run, five-RBI second game yesterday. So the Mets sitting there at 20-10. and 10. You got some teams with impressive records. The Yankees are another one. They split the deuce. They win the first game on the uh, Torres home run in the quote-unquote Little League Park. Hey, there are sour grapes Sometimes it's tough to get beat with a cheap Yankee Stadium home run. That wasn't even a cheap Yankee Stadium home run. Torres' ball went 369 feet. It was a home run in 26 out of 30 parks. The cheap one is like the one the Rangers hit in the second game. That's the dunker. That's the one that that hits you. The first home run they hit of the two homers was only good in two parks. Those are going to happen at Yankee Stadium. Right-handed batters know it. Left-handed batters know it. Dunk the ball, hit the high fly ball that dunks into the first couple of rows. A lot of guys have made a living doing that at Yankee Stadium, it, it, going back to Babe Ruth. So uh, to call it a Little League Park is just foolish. It's just, you know, sour grapes. Nothing short of that. The Yankees play this afternoon as they make up the game against the Rangers. And remember, the Yankees... A 19-8, but the only team they've played. And I think the Yankees have fielded well. Their bullpen has gotten some huge performances. They've gotten some good performances, clutch performances from guys. Some other guys 
have you shaking your head like Gallo. Hicks guys in scoring position has been awful. But they have played just one team with a winning record. You know, they haven't seen the Rays yet. They haven't seen the Astros yet. They haven't played the White Sox yet. So the Yankees, other than the Blue Jays, have not played a team that has over a 500 record. They have a lot of games to play where they're going to play some better teams. So let's not get crazy yet, although they're off to a very, very nice start and an impressive record to start the season. But if you look, the Rays are right there. The Mets have opened themselves up a nice cushion because the teams in their division have just not, the ones that you expected to be there and compete, have not gotten off to fast starts. The Mets have opened themselves up a nice cushion. They've been very consistent. I think they've done everything right. You have to be very happy with everything about them. And they have the resources to do whatever it takes down the road to make the baseball decision they need to add, whether it's something in the bullpen or another bat in the lineup. That would be, and remember, if they can get a healthy DeGrom back for the second half and he's got some innings in that arm, then he ensures it could be just scary as you head down the stretch of the season and then hopefully into the postseason. Both the Yankees and the Mets on their way right now in, a, in the express lane on their way to the postseason at this juncture as we head into the uh, middle of the month of May and hopefully some decent weather. It looks like this week we might finally, finally get a run of good weather because the weather has just been atrocious this spring. Absolutely freezing and rainy and cold. And just if you know, if you've been up here in the Northeast, you know how bad it's been uh, for the last six weeks, you're just waiting week after week for it to turn. And it looks like it will Wednesday into this weekend. We might get days 75 plus towards 80 degrees. It's about time if that's the case. Rangers with a big game tonight, a game number four off the loss in game number three. Um, Everybody I talk to, it's funny, before the series, I played golf with some guys very connected to the Rangers, and they were like, Love this team going into the postseason. Love this team. I think they're going to have a big run this year. And they even mentioned, I think they match up great with the Penguins. You know what? They haven't looked great to me. They've looked like a team playing a team that understands the playoffs a lot more than they do. Pittsburgh's got a lot of guys that know their way around the postseason, who know their way around tight games who know what has to happen in those tight games. The question is, can the Penguins get any goaltending playing with the goaltenders they have to play with right now? The Rangers, who are supposed to get great goaltending, didn't get great goaltending in game three. It happens. Some fluky goals, some odd situations. But the Rangers, to me, have not been crisp in these games and they need to find a consistency if they're going to win this series. And let's be honest, if they're going to win this series, you would figure they're going to win game four because otherwise it's going to be a very, very tall order. So uh, a lot of work to do. And to me, I understand they're young. 
I understand that uh, they're building something. I understand you have to be happy with the future they have, but it would still be disappointing if they went out quickly in this first round. So uh, big, big game four this evening uh, for the Rangers. As far as the NBA playoffs go, you got a lot of balance right now. You got a lot of interesting things going on. Now, to me, the least interesting series is Golden State and Memphis. Memphis has to grow up, and they're not going to grow up this year. Even though this series has had a lot of garbage in it and a lot of nonsense in it, and unfortunately injuries in it, and now the injury to John Morant, Golden State's the better team. Golden State understands what to do. They understand how to do it. They were going to win this series anyway. Now they're going to win it, and we might not see John Moran again. So, again, uh, that's unfortunate. Everything that's happened in that series, the extracurricular activity, has been unfortunate. But the Warriors were going to win the series anyway. I expect them to win game four tonight. The Celtics and the Bucks are going to play a very, very tight series. They already have. The Celtics were very unhappy with the officiating in Game 3. They had some rights to be. But the bottom line is, you know this series is going to be tight. I think this series is going to go seven games. Uh, I just think the Celtics... You know, you got, you got guys out on both sides. You got injuries day in, day out on both sides. But right now, I give the Bucks the smallest of edge. I could see the Celtics possibly win the series, but I think the Bucks probably will win the series. The Heat and, and the Sixers, as they go back tomorrow for a game five, hey, bottom line is two things – Two things for the Heat. Number one, they've got to defend the three better. Number two, they have to get Butler some help, some consistent help. And now they have to deal with an awakened Harden. I don't like Harden. I don't like anything about him. I think there's a lot of dog in him. Always have. He's also got a lot of talent. You saw that yesterday where he finally woke up and for the first time in 15 games had more than 25 points. He had 31. He had 16 in the fourth quarter. He went out and knocked down a bunch of threes. That is what you expect. The question is, is he going to give it now? Embiid's back, and he's showing you why he's Embiid. He's showing you why he is a very deserving MVP candidate. Right now, when you look at it, when they have Embiid and Harden and Maxey, who I told you about for all year, and Harris throwing some role players. Right now, they have more dependable pieces than even the Heat do. The Heat are going to have to do it by playing the kind of defense that you expect them to play and getting some support, especially on the three-point line. Three-point defense And three-point differential is enormous in these playoffs. It makes a big difference. You cannot go in 
and make six threes and have your opponent make 16 and think you're going to win that game. You're not. You cannot let your opponent shoot a high percentage from three and think you're going to beat them in any of these series. That's what Phoenix has to deal with right now. Phoenix finds itself at two apiece, going back for a pivotal game five. And for the Suns, you're going to hear about Paul. You're going to hear about Paul being unhappy what happened in the stands, and that is unfortunate. No one should mess with his family. And the Mavs tried to take care of it, to their credit. And that should never happen. But they need Paul to be better. They need to cut down on their turnovers the last three games. They need to get more consistent scoring, obviously, from Paul. But again, from Bridges. Bridges has got to be a more consistent offensive force for them. And they have to get eight and off early. That will open things up for them on the outside. Get the ball into Aiton. Make that be something the Mavs can't deal with. And then knock down some shots on the perimeter. They have got to do a better job of being a consistent threat on the three-point line than they've been. And Bridges is a factor there. And I would expect Phoenix to to come back with a big effort in game five. I would be very, very surprised. I'm not surprised the, the series is knotted up. Give Dallas a lot of credit for what they've done. Did give them a lot of credit for the guys they've gotten around Donzik in the series and what they've been able to do. But the pressure falls squarely on the shoulders. I think not just Paul. And it's always going to fall squarely on the pressure of Paul while he's there. But Bridges has got to be a bigger, bigger force offensively, a more consistent force offensively in these games. That has got to be the case. So you expect Golden State to have an easy time and be waiting. Phoenix has got some work to do. That series could easily go seven games now, but here's the pivotal game five. They have to win that game tomorrow night. And then, of course, you have a very good series with the Heat and the Sixers. And now the Sixers go there with a real sense that they have turned that series around, both with Embiid's presence and now with Harden showing up. Join Maxey and Harris. So... That series has changed radically. And if Philly can somehow keep him beating the lineup and keep Harden somehow heading the game, they have a chance to be a major factor in the East. Major factor. And the Celtic-Buck game is, again, going to be a very, very tight, very tough-to-call series going forward. I give the smallest of edges to the Bucks. Smallest of edges. But, again, 
They're asking guys to do things that they haven't had to do. They're asking guys to shift roles. See, I think Portis has been such a good player for them, I would not in any way diminish his role because I think he's been too good for them. So I don't, I don't, if I'm them, I don't want to change anything that he's given me because he, to me, has been really a consistent, consistent force for them. He, he has been, you know, so often this season. And to change what he's done or minimize what he's done, he's going to go out there. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to go out there and be consistent, give you 16 and 10, knock down a three, get a big board, be a presence. And I think you have to count on him. Don't diminish his role. That would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. I understand you want to get Hill. You like some of the things Allen's done. Oh, Allen, obviously, not the last game. But you get Hill back. It compensates for Middleton. But let Portis be Portis if you're the Bucs. It's very important for them going forward. But the one thing is, you got to get the freak somehow under control in those games, you know. He can be, as you would expect, that little bit of difference in what is an extremely competitive series. So the NBA's got some interesting series right now. This round's been far more interesting than I thought it would be. And in three of the four series... Other than Golden State, I think there's a lot more interesting basketball to be played. And we've seen some things twist and turn with injuries, with who's in, who's out. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the injury to John Morant really takes all the life out of that series. But they weren't going to beat Golden State yet anyway. They have some growing up to do. A lot of Growing up, Golden State hasn't been blameless here by any stretch, but Memphis has got some growing up to do, and they will. This is a new thing for them. It's a new experience for them. But unfortunately, no one wants to see a young star of that magnitude get hurt like he did. Because it just really takes a lot. It takes not just interest. It takes really everything out of it, all the life out of that series in a very, very big way. Later in the week, we'll uh, bring in another podcast. We'll check in with Bobby Valentine. We've got some other stuff going on. So uh, as we said, a lot of NBA to keep you busy this week. Plenty of baseball as we move into the uh, nicer days of May and few racing fans. We set sail in just a couple of days for before you know it, the Preakness comes right back at you a week from Saturday. And we'll see if rich strike has more than one shocker in him. 
horses like him usually don't come back and back that up. He would be the rarity if he did that. I wouldn't expect it, but right now, I haven't seen the consistent star that you can hang your hat on this year. Like I said, we were hoping it was our horse. I think we're still sorting out the three-year-old picture, and all it did was get a lot cloudier after the Derby. Enjoy your week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.